Welcome back to another episode of the Listen In Podcast, the only music podcast for music listeners by music listeners. You can, Stuck the landing this You week. can take that to the bank. That's that right. is absolute fact. So we are up to episode 86, Jake. 86 corresponds with 1986. What were some big album releases we had in 1986? So here's what we got. Licensed to Ill by the Beastie Boys. Mm. Queen is Dead by the Smiths. Graceland by Paul Simon. Master of Puppets by Metallica. Let me see. We got... Oh, I accidentally clicked into one. Hold on. This is a little... Megadeth put out Peace Sells But Who's Buying. Life's Rich Pageant by R.E.M. Slippery When Wet by Bon Jovi. Let me see if I can find one more good one. How about... Um... Hmm, there's not a lot of good, Nick Cave came out with an album. Okay. Depeche okay. Mode. Put I gotta, out an I gotta album. go back. So, so first of all, Depeche Mode's a, uh, an artist I've never spent time with before. There's and I feel like I should. I definitely really like um, Personal Jesus, and I like enjoy the silence. I like those songs. Yeah. But I've never. I think I tried listening to that album that that came out in 1990. The album okay. with like their the hits you might yeah, know from the radio. Yeah. Um, but. I have never really listened to them either. Okay. Other than that. And Nick Cave's another one I gotta spend more time with. He actually just came out with a career spanning greatest hits compilation this year that I would I would like yeah, I would like to look at. Uh anyways, history in nineteen eighty six. First PC virus called Brain starts to spread. Uh, the, really on computers, like on a PC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah. They, they did. People didn't waste time ruining something. No, of course not. Uh first federal MLK day started. Um Shuttle Challenger disintegrates mm-hmm. 73 seconds after launch. Uh, other than that, oh, Haley's Comet. That was based, uh, there was a nice Hey Arnold episode about that. There was, in, in the sports world, Sean, the Celtics won their third That's NBA right. championship. That's right. Of the 80s. That's right. Uh, so that is 1986 in a nutshell. Let's get into some hot thoughts, Jake. Yeah. So I actually have one hot off the press yep. that. Um, we didn't include it in our notes here. Just a fun fact. It's actually absurd. Drake is outside of the top, the hot 100 for the first time since 2009. I saw that. And so I. this is a quick explain to Jake. What does it take to get into the hot 100? Uh, basically, so I think it is radio play. Okay. I think. That's hard to believe. Traditionally. Feels as I think it might incorporate streaming now, though. Doesn't it seem like Drake's at the height of his powers, though? You'd think. Things music writers love saying? Yeah, but I guess he... His last new song was something off of More Life, which came out, you know, six months ago at this point, so... That's true. Wow. Yeah, yeah. that's true. So, I mean, I can see that, and he hasn't really had a featured song since then, really, that's been Yeah, hard to believe, because it just feels like he's so much a cultural touchstone. Yeah. Musically. Yeah, so I don't know. The fact that 2009 was the last time is, like, hilarious, though. Yeah, that's a that's a long. Had almost a decade of Drake dominance, and you know he'll just be back in. Oh, 100 percent. As soon as like you're allowed to be back in. Yeah. Um, my hot thought for you is about a new underground rap album by the rapper Milo. Uh, the album's called Who Told You to Think. Um, I've been listening to it over the past few days. If you're familiar with Milo, you might have listened to his last record. I think it's called So the Flies Don't Come. I got into Milo through that record and have continued to like him through this. He is sort of an artistic 
sort of almost borderline spoken word in his flow, very poetic, and poetry is like a big part of what he emphasizes as his craft. Um, really interesting sort of artistic experimental beats. I think this is something people could get into if if you've been sort of looking for something new in rap and you're tired of like mm. trap stuff or mm. you're tired of the big rap albums by sort of um, the most popular rappers that are going right now. Um, he's someone doing pretty cool experimental stuff and fun fact, went to high school with us. It's so weird. And now he's featured like in Rolling Stone. Yeah, and, and so what's interesting about Milo is, so this guy, his name is Rory Ferreira, and I was doing some reading about him on Wikipedia, because to be honest with you, I don't remember him. Yeah. In, do you remember oh, him? Oh, I had a class with him. Yeah, I had math class with him. Oh, you I do? I remember him. Oh, you yeah. Remember, okay. Oh, yeah. I gave that dude a hip-hop hug once. Really? Yes. Dude, yes. F- fun fact. Yeah. So you knew him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him I, and Kai Hall, big shout. We all sat in, like, the corner of, I think, geometry class sophomore year. Well, he's really coming to his own. He's, like, he's got a whole thing going. He's got a whole crew. Did you read his Rolling Stone interview? No, I didn't. It's really interesting. They were, like, do you see why some people compare you to, like, Earl Sweatshirt or those? He's, like, he's like yeah, I guess I can see it, but he's, like, I don't really fuck with them. He's, like, I, I think I'm better than all of those guys. <laughs> he, dude, he's, That's awesome. He's wow. coming out strong. <laughs> wow. Um, and he has, like, an interesting perspective and have has, like, an interesting twist on... On, on rap and sort of his craft um, that I think people could appreciate. But yeah, I didn't know him in high school. How long was he at our school? I think only halfway through sophomore year, and then he left. Because I was going to say, I remember I on Wikipedia, it said he went to like 15 different schools. He was always moving. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't he, know he wasn't there for very long. Yeah, so so this is not coming from a biased perspective, where like I was, I, right. it's actually really, really good. <clears throat> right. And I, I never knew this guy, but... The stuff he's doing is awesome. So check it out, listeners. It's called Who Told You to Think? And the title has like seven exclamation points and question marks sort of interspersed. You could probably just find it by searching Milo. But it's worth checking out. Yeah, I still need to give that a listen. I haven't yet. Uh, I would like to, though. The other hot thought we have, Jake, is we got yet another new War on Drugs single that makes five now. It's called Up All Night. We've gotten five out of the ten songs on this album released as singles. And you know what? Sight unseen on the rest of this album, this is in my top 10 albums of the year right now. Good use of that phrase. Um, I, I commend you for that. And uh, yeah, man, it has to be right. And like, I th- I've only listened to Up All Night once. Um, and I might save listens for this one. Yeah. Um, because at this point, I, I mean, like, if it's a 10 track album, I already know 40% of it yeah. really well. No. And like, especially three songs, yeah. I know, like, I've listened to them a million times. Mm-hmm. Um, this one had off my one listen. It seemed maybe a little bit peppier of a sort of a vibe. Mm-hmm. It was a little more. Um, it was less sort of like uh, moody, less mm-hmm. atmospheric. It mm-hmm. felt like there's still plenty of that um, if you've been enjoying that. But but yeah, dude, I, I mean honestly, we talk about it every week. But I I'm just excited for for this for this record. To come I, out. I am too. Well, uh, like I don't know how it can't be one of the best albums of the year. What are the odds he somehow sneaks in one more single before he before the album comes out? I, yeah, he could. We've he got, could. We've got 10 days at this point. He could. It's possible. You it's never very know. possible. Anyways, we're excited for that one. Um, okay, so let's get into our main discussion here, Jake. It's been kind of a slow couple weeks for, for new music, so mm-hmm. we have had the opportunity to go back and listen to a lot of albums that we maybe didn't get to spend a lot of time with. I know you and I have been talking back and forth, especially Thunder Dreamers 1. 
Um, Rap Boys is another one. Like we've been going back. It, I went back and listened to Tiger's Jaw. So a lot of the albums we talked about on last week's episode, we've had time to go back and spend time with. Big big shout to friend of the pod, uh, Gothic Diane Keaton mm. on Twitter for getting at me and reminding me that Rap Boys probably should have been included. Yeah, I, yep, I yep. think I kind of I definitely meant to and kind of just forgot. Yeah, with yep. that one. And sorry for oh update on the mom jeans stuff. Um, sorry for jokingly insulting them like every single week the mom noun band names uh finally listened to to that record best buds it's pretty good it's pretty good it was actually a little bit different than i expected it to be uh i liked it i've still only listened once because i've been going back and listening to a lot of other things but you know what i was wrong i'll put my hand up on that one it's a good album i still don't love the name and i don't love all the mom whatever dad whatever band names out there but you know good, yeah, good stuff i think emo band names in general or bands that run in those sort of circles they're not great names in here's, general here, rat boys is a bad name no here's my newest one i don't like soccer mommy is that one that's one yeah yeah man that's don't too, like it it makes you know what it is it just makes me uncomfortable yeah it's kind of like how louis ck i guess is coming out with this secret movie that he produced and directed um, it sounds awesome. It's like black and white, and it, it two hours. The news just came out today. It's called "I Love You, Daddy," Mm-mm, and yeah. I don't, I don't really like saying that. <laughs> I feel, I feel uncomfortable saying the title. I don't love either of those n- nouns. Yeah, mommy, so. daddy stuff. Get the f- get right out of here with <laughs> yeah. that. It's too much. Yeah. The connotations um, are so. Like we said, we've been able to go back and listen to a lot of these other albums. One in particular, one EP in particular that I've been listening to a lot is the Rolling Blackouts Coastal Fever EP, the French Press. And this got me thinking, Jake, about EPs in general. Yeah. And I wanted to just have a discussion about EPs because I think they're really interesting and don't get talked about a lot. And in particular, I want to talk about artists who have an EP in their catalog that you could make the argument is just the best work that they've done. That's their best release. So this was a great idea for a discussion, I thought, and it made me Google because I realized as much as I enjoy EPs when they come out, I haven't done a lot of thinking or really reading about what are the best EPs of all time. There's precious few lists out there that actually rank EPs too. And so if I just Googled it generally and I came up with, there's like Watery Domestic by Pavement, so I'm sure you'd love that. Um, there's a Boards of Canada EP that's beloved in a, in a beautiful place out in the, and it's cut off on Google. Um, Come on Pilgrim by Pixies, Jar of Flies by Alice in Chains. You Made Me Realize by My Bloody Valentine. There's a Godspeed You Black Emperor EP that's mm-hmm. on this list. Here's the thing. The best EPs of all time, I did some looking for some of them on you Spotify. You can't find them. You can't find can't a lot find of them. them. And so it, it's an interesting thing where it's the EPs can be really great at entries in bands catalogs, but because of the way they were produced in the past, they weren't considered, I don't think, as serious an entry in no, their discography. No, and a lot of times... These EPs would just be kind of self-released or demos to yeah. kind of be like, this is who we are as a band. Uh, Strokes, the modern age EP, is a great example of that, where right. that was kind of self-released, didn't have a record label to put it out. A lot of those songs ended up on Is This It? But you know, when no record label yeah, all did. has the rights to put that out, that's why right. you don't see it on a streaming service now. Or it's on some very small record label. Like that Pavement one's not available. I'm wondering... If that is available only through Drag City, 
oh, who maybe. they used to be signed to, yeah, who it, are not on streaming services or not on Spotify at least. That's that's a, a fair point. I'm not sure. And um, yeah, so I, it's, it, EPs are an interesting thing. Um, what I've come to really appreciate, and it's obvious, is just the, the idea of their length. The idea that you mm. can fit in an EP, because we've talked about this before. We both do a lot of music listening at work, yep. at desk jobs, yep. where it's like, ooh, if I have a meeting coming up in X amount of time, I could fit in an EP pretty easy. Um, it, and it's, it's easier to do that. It's easier to commit. And yeah. But there's some variance, though, because you see some EPs crawl up into the half-hour length. Or you get assholes like Sufjan Stevens, who puts out an EP that's like an hour and a half long. That's crazy. It's like the... I haven't listened to it because it's an hour and a half long. Is it the all the delighted people yes. or whatever it yeah. is? Yeah. All the beautiful people? It's like a buck 26. Yeah. Is it really? Yeah. How is that an EP? I don't know. It's a full-length album. <laughs> yeah. It's like longer than The Wall. <laughs> I know. That's crazy to me. I know. Yeah, so yeah, there's definitely variants. My I love the EPs that are like four songs, fifteen minutes. Yes. Those are the those are awesome. Or like five songs, twenty minutes, something around there. Right. Those are always great. They are. But yeah, the the length is is one of the pluses of that. Um, you can it's usually a distillation of an artist's sound into just a few songs. Or it can end up being a snapshot in time of something that you know, maybe it was very, very early on in their career, or maybe it's a transitionary period before they move on to something else, and it can really be kind of a mile marker of where they're at in their career. I agree. There's there's bands who, when they r- routinely release EPs, um, you can kind of attribute those EPs to albums in their discography. Yes. Arctic Monkeys is one that's yes. like this. Um, uh, Animal, Animal Collective, Collective is, is maybe the the biggest example of EPs belonging to an album. Yeah, like Water Curses belongs with Strawberry Jam. Fall Behind is Mary Weather. Mary Weather, yep. And it's very apparent. Animal Collective, I mean, not Animal Collective. Sorry, Arctic Monkeys is some of that same same stuff. Um, I feel like there are some bands, and Animal Collective is the only one I could think of off the bat that are like when I think of these bands I think of their EPs as really meaningful mm-hmm. I think there are some bands where they might have one or two but they I don't know if the bands take them as seriously or or something like that but there are bands who seem to really enjoy and and take stock in in releasing EPs yeah and they seem to make sure that it has a vision associated yeah. with it and there's like at least one really strong song that could be counted among their best songs. I love when that happens, and I love Animal Collective for doing that. Well, and speaking of Animal Collective, they've come out with two this year, right? And two wildly different yeah. EPs. Uh, one that we both we spoke about last week, the Meeting of the Waters EP. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really, really good. And it's always nice because it's like a little hidden gem in their discography where if you're going back, you're like, oh, maybe I can like discover something good here. Right. Or in real time as they're releasing them it's always nice and easy when someone drops an EP to just throw it on mm-hmm. absolutely it, it's, it's sort of a accessible and it can way be a go. nice it can tide you over in between major releases where you know at least you're getting something you're like oh they're still doing stuff right now like this is great so yeah it can tide you over uh wet the appetite a little bit that's right so let's let's dive in here Jake and talk about some EPs that could very well be considered an artist's best output or best work. So this isn't necessarily what we think is their best, but we're putting the parameters of it could be argued it's their best and if you were to make that argument, you wouldn't be laughed out of the room basically. Yeah. Basically you could just say this and and you could you know make the argument in a way that's uh believable. 
Um, so what do you got? What's a well? Let's let's start off with one that we've mentioned many many times. A band we've mentioned many times. The Fleet Foxes' Sun Giant EP. Mm-hmm. So this is one that came out right before right before right uh, their first album. I around always, the same time. I always forget if the order is it's right before or right after. Yeah. I and the thing is I've I've had it backwards so many times that I don't remember which way is the way I used to think it was but either way it was released around the time of their self-titled first release and it's always associated with that first album and you could very easily make the argument that Fleet Foxes was never better than they were on this EP because you have songs like Mykonos Sun It Rises Sun It Rises is on the first oh, sorry. album you mean I'm, English House English House um, there's a lot of good stuff on here yeah. that just, like stands up to all of their studio albums, to be honest with you. The one knock on it is it's too short. It's really, really short. And it again, this is an EP that I think speaks to what you mentioned about being a perfect distillation of a band sound. Mm. Um, it It's a pretty awesome encapsulation of that tone that they're doing that on mystical the mystical f- yeah. tone. Drops in the River is the one I was mixing up with yes. Sun Rises. Yeah. The, just the tone they had on that first album. And for people who are like us where that is a precious thing yeah. that first Fleet Foxes album vibe that they again they do amazing things on Helplessness Blues they do amazing things on Crack Up but there's a certain tone and the only other resource that we have out there and the only one we can mine is the Sun Giant EP mm-hmm. that also sounds mm-hmm. it's recorded the same way it has the same vibe yep. as that Fleet Foxes yep. album so for that reason you know if if an anonymous person said to me, no, Sun Giant is their best output. I'd say, you know what? Fair enough. Fine. If you, the strength of Mykonos, because you could argue Mykonos, Mykonos, however you want to say it, is their best song. You it, could make that argument. It's kind of like this perfect combination of, again, the sounds they were doing at that time in 2007, 2008, while also being a really palatable and powerful pop song. Yeah. It's a rock song. Yep. The there's all these different parts in the chorus that you will go to Mykonos part is really catchy and then when they come in with the brother you don't need to yep. whatever, turn, turn me, me away, away. Yeah. The, the, those are huge explosive yeah. moments and I don't know that you get with the exception of um, the part on he doesn't know why right. on the first album and maybe some other parts Your I don't Protector know if, I think has some of that yeah, big pop grandeur but I think if there is a best quote unquote Fleet Foxes song from that era, it probably has to be making To this day, when I'm showing people Fleet Foxes, if God forbid they've never heard them before, Mykonos is the song I actually show them first because I think that draws you in the most. So yeah, Sun Giant is is an easy first pick. Jake, do you have another one for us? Yeah. Um, so I've actually been binging this one this week because I listened a while ago but only a couple times. It's the Young Liars EP by TV on the Radio. So this came out in, I think, 2003. Um, really, really good. This is on the longer end of the spectrum. 25 minutes. 25 minutes. I think it's either five, six five tracks, songs. Five tracks, five songs, one, seven minutes. minutes. Yeah. Um, the song Young Liars is awesome. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the other song. Staring names. at the Sun is my favorite. I think that is the highlight on there. Like It's like the single that ended up on um, their full-length debut. Okay. Um, was it Desperate Youth, Bloodthirsty Babes, or whatever? Yeah, have you ever listened to I've that I've actually album? never listened to that, I weirdly. Uh, I should. Uh, but but there's, there's cool stuff going on here that sort of... All the different things that TV on the radio does. Like, I think Satellite's a really cool song. I mean, all of it is. The Mr. Greaves cover. Well, who's who's the original Mr. Greaves? Because I didn't know uh, is that, it that was even a cover. Violent Femmes? Oh, it could or be. Pixies? 
It's really cool. Oh, Pixies sounds maybe Pixies, right. Pixies, Pixies, right? The way that sounds right. The way they do the vocals on that, and the cool thing about yeah. TV, oh yeah, yeah, it's on uh, it's on Doolittle actually. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't even really sound like man. I'd have to listen again. Yeah. But, um, the way they sing Mr. Greaves with those sort of like very haunting acapella mm-hmm. harmonies mm-hmm. is really cool. Something about the way um, the the guys in TV on the radio sing always gets me. So with this EP, this one was talked about. Not a ton, but it was definitely mentioned a, a good amount in that book, Meet Me in the Bathroom, when they were talking about TV on the radio. And they kind of just put this together for fun. They were like, we didn't think anyone was even going to listen to this. Wow. And it ended up kind of catching fire. Uh, also, big shout to my, my buddy Ian, who I work with. Um, he always goes to bat. He's like, I think that's the best TV on the radio release. So I've actually heard someone in the flesh say, this is the best TV on the radio release. You know, I think... Cookie Mountain or Deer Science is probably better just because it's a more fully fleshed out yeah. idea than this like for fun EP. But as far as debut EPs go, this and this was what a lot of people said. They're like, how can a band sound this confident and this fully formed on their first EP that they just kind of, you know, like did quickly by yeah. themselves? So well, they are again. They already sound very much like themselves. Like it's not. Yeah. They don't really have. Yeah. It doesn't have this different sound or right. whatever. It kind of reminds me of what they end up sounding like right. on Cookie Mountain. Right. Which I think is why maybe some people who might have heard that first is like, well, you know, what have they done that's so much better than this? Right. So I, I, th- I can see why you would make that argument. Listeners, let us know what you think of TV on the radio. I feel like we have. I, like a split listener base on TV on the radio. I feel like I've heard some negative things, some positive things. Mm. I don't know why I have that impression, hmm. but I'm, I'm a big fan. I am too. Yeah, I, I really I, like I, them. They're like a cool band that I always. They're one of the first sort of indie bands I ever made an active attempt to get into. Right. Dear Science is one of the first like new releases I ever bought. Right. So they have always held a special place in my heart for that reason. I remember that. Uh, so another one we have, Jake, and this is one that I personally think is this band's best output. Uh, I think I agree with you. I, I think. It is Modern Baseball with the Perfect Cast EP. This came out in 2013? No, 15. Yeah. 15. 2015 after um, You're Gonna Miss It All came out and in between before Holy Ghost came out. And this has songs like um, The Waterboy Returns. Alpha it, Kappa, Fall of Troy, The Movie Part Due. Yeah, Infinity Exposed. Then it's The Thrash Particle yep. and Beyond, Revenge of the Nameless Ranger. Um, so we've talked about this before, Sean. It seems like there's a certain vibe. So this is different. Where we talked about how like Fleet Fox is an example or Fall Be Kind, which we'll get to, is an example of an uh, EP that is an encapsulation of of a sound that a band was going for on a full length at the same time. I think this is one where you see modern baseball in this interesting liminal phase between um, You're Gonna Miss It All and Holy Ghost, where they're trying sort of some different sounds and writing songs in a different way. For my money, the songs that Brendan Lukens has on this album are his best songs. I would agree with that. I would completely agree with that. And this is what I mean earlier when we were talking about this is an interesting mile marker yeah. in a band's career or a discography where sometimes they just catch lightning on one of these EPs and you're like, that's it. That's the sound that I want from that band. Not to say that You're Gonna Miss It All or Holy Ghost are are bad because they're not at all. They're also great, great albums that we really enjoy. Um, but... 
I find myself when I want to listen to modern baseball, it's going back to this perfect cast EP. Yeah, it is. It is for me too. Um, and you know what I've found? This is not related to the EP. How do you think Holy Ghost is going to age? Um, it's a separate discussion, but I don't know that has it aged that well already in a year. No, it hasn't. I don't know why. Not that in is. a year. Is this because I'd rather listen to this right me now? Me too. Me the too. The perfect cast EP. Uh, I, I think it might be too soon to say yeah. with Holy Ghost. Could I be. think we we kind of burnt ourselves out on it a little bit. We've listened a ton. Well, we had a much documented sort of roller coaster ride with it. Where yeah. at first we were disappointed, and right. then we loved it, and then it right. kind of slipped in the rankings a little yeah. bit. Um, yeah. But yeah, again, I like that run from Thrash Particle and Beyond, Revenge of the Nameless Ranger. Those three Bren songs in a row, and also uh, Waterboy Returns. Yeah, um, I I always have liked the Jake songs in this album, but just personally, I've always been partial to Brendan's songs. Me too. Um, yeah, me too. I know that uh, Alpha Kappa is, I think, big friend of the pod. Josh's favorite modern baseball song. I think that is true. Which yeah. I always thought was an interesting choice. I mean, this whole thing you really can't miss with. But it's never been my choice of this EP. Yeah, no, I think my favorites are, are Thrash Particle and, and Beyond. Yep. Right, two, one, the one-two punch I like there. Uh, what, what do we got next on so here? So we have uh, Sheermag with their... They were actually not officially released on a major label originally. Just Bandcamp releases, I yeah, think. Yeah, one, two, and three all in Roman numerals. Yeah. Um, so these were seven-inch records that they put out. Um, they're all... Pretty brief, and uh, they pack sort of that sheer mag punch. I know we talked recently with the release of their new album that maybe this is the right length for sheer mag. Um, I know my personal favorite sheer mag song, and probably a lot of people's fan the flames. I think it's on two. That sounds right. I think you're right. I think it's two. I think you're right. Um, Yeah. So I mean, they're doing interesting stuff, and I remember when we first found out about sheer mag, um, it was exciting to me that there was this band that, despite the might of streaming services at this point was actually finding a way to kind of fly under the radar and release these yeah. sort of not totally affiliated mm-hmm. um, EPs. It was just like word of mouth. Yeah. It was like, oh, you heard of Sheer Mag? Like, right. hell yeah. Well, I guess they were a cool sort of a scene band in Philly. Yeah, and I think you nailed it. Uh, and we talked about this in our conversation is I only want them in EP doses. I only want four or five songs at a time of this stuff because if I'm listening over the course of a full album, like we saw with their newest one that got released, like, yeah, it's good, but I don't like, I get tired of that sound, unfortunately. And there was this grit and this grime and this energy about these first few EPs um, that I really, really liked. And if I'm going to listen to them, I'm going to pick. You know, one of those probably over one of the albums. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Here's another one that I would also and have been picking these EPs over the albums. This is Beach Slang, mm-hmm. another Philadelphia-based band. Um, so before their first record came out, they put out two EPs, one called Who Would Ever Want Anything So Broken and Cheap Thrills on a Dead End Street. Have two more Beach Slang-sounding titles than that. You can't. Those are pretty fucking Beach Slang. So I think the knock on Beach Slang at this point is that they just do the same sound over and over again, much like Sheer Mag. Right. Uh, Some of the songs come across as disingenuous, I think, because Mm. they're all about, like, being a kid and youth and, like... Yeah. That kind of stuff that doesn't always ring true. These two EPs... I think because they were the first ones to do that and weren't necessarily going back to any sort of well, it was channeling replacements like really hard 
And it was the same thing as Sheer Mag. It's like this fresh thing that we don't get a lot of this. Um, they And I think, honestly, the, the songs are just better on these. There's hooks. There's big, like, cool endings to songs. And, and the lyrics aren't as bad as some of the ones on this newest album they put out last year. So for that, uh, for my money, I enjoy those two Beach Slang EPs more than either of their two albums. As much as I really actually enjoy that first album. What was the first album called? I can't remember. Oh, man. Oh, The Things We Do to Find People Who Are Like Us yes. or something like that? Yeah. Something like that. Um, yeah. Um, so I, I've listened to these EPs, but not that much. Um, because from the beginning with Beach Slang, something about their shtick has sort of... I, again, I can like the songs, but I never find myself wanting to really go mm-hmm. back over and over again. I think it does have something to do with, again, that slight vibe of maybe they're a little disingenuous. And I know we have some Beach Slang fans listening. Slash haters, I think. Slash haters. We got both. Yeah. Um, contentious band. Surprisingly contentious band. Yeah, yeah. Very polarizing. Not necessarily the band I'd pick to be polarizing. <laughs> no. Just this like kind of straight-ahead rock band. <laughs> right. Um, but they somehow find a way to... That, polarize. that first show we saw of them at Great, it was Scott great. Jake, well, that was it, that was a great, great show. It was, and they, they, they put on a great performance. That and was a top ten rock show I've been to. And it's really interesting to think about all the shit that went down between James Alex and his band yeah, later on. I think that colors a lot of the perception yeah. of them, too. Yeah, I mean, I mean like, because there's a part of me that, on one hand, based on stuff I've heard about him and, and stuff I kind of think about him, it seems like he's a little bit fraudulent in his approach at the same time who isn't posturing that's playing in a rock band who isn't like putting on a show and at least this dude does it well plays good powerful rock songs and like buys in like at least he buys in and isn't doing everything with an eye roll yeah so I, i gotta give him credit yeah absolutely like he's he's putting it all out there and you know if i if it's a let's say it's a friday night jake i've had a few beers in a song like American Girls and French Kisses comes on. French Kisses! Or a song like Kids or something. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be all in on those songs. I don't care what anybody else says. Granted, it becomes diminishing returns on you know their 2016 album, yeah. but what are you going to do? These yeah. EPs are, are great. Interesting stuff with Beach Lang. I got another one for you, and I'm jumping around on the list a sure. little bit here. Um, Tallest Man on Earth. Two really, really good EPs. Yeah. Uh, his self-titled EP, uh, which I think was maybe his first release yeah, it overall. Was. it was. And also my personal favorite, I think, the Sometimes the Blues is Just a Passing Bird EP, has some of my favorite, straight up, just favorite Tallest Man songs. Um, the Dreamer is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, like like wheel the Wheel is awesome. Really, really good songs on that EP. Mm-hmm. And he's it's where Tallest Man is still doing... I think it was between Wild Hunt and There's No Leaving Now. It was. And he's doing really spare arrangements. He's mixing an electric guitar a little bit. I remember what a revelation it was to hear him doing an electric guitar. It was, you know, it wasn't as drastic as Dylan at Newport going electric, right. but it was still a big deal. Be like, oh, tallest man. He's he's going away from just an acoustic guitar. Little River is another really good yeah, song. I love Dude. It. Yep. His vocal and the way he plays guitar on the Dreamer are both awesome. Mm-hmm. The and like again, because at this point, all you'd heard is him playing into this echoey, sort of poorly recorded with an acoustic guitar, and then he comes out with the Dreamer and has that like doom dick down. Yeah, is that really like he sounds like uh, 
like Tracy Chapman on Fast yeah, Cars, and he yeah. has that like really like sort of slap, almost funky little yeah. riff, and his 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 voice is explosive in the chorus of that song. Now, would you classify either of these EPs as being his best? His best work. So okay, that yeah, we've we've gotten away from yeah that main discussion. It's a good question. I don't know how you beat the Wild Hunt. I think if, I don't even think either of these beat. Um, There's no leaving now or Dark Bird is home. I, w- I okay. would rather listen to all three of those uh, over either of these EPs. I agree because you're getting more for your money. Here's the thing though. I think you could if you're not like us and you don't love There's No Leaving Now and you don't love Dark Bird is home. Maybe I think the best argument you're gonna have is actually for the self-titled because you the argument you yeah. could make is that it's the purest version of him that he ever had. Uh, yeah. And, and there's some and he's, really and he's good talking songs about there. like rivers and birds and well, shit. Like it's a very yeah. hot like that whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's that song called again? Uh fuck, I don't remember. That might even be on the, the first album. Oh, is it? I um, thought that was on uh let me look at it. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not I don't remember off the top of my head. A lot of those bleed together, and there is a song on the first EP that is also on the first album. It might be like into the stream. Or something. Right. Okay, the first one you get, it will follow the rain, walk the line, steal tomorrow, over the hills, into the stream. Yeah, I think into the stream is also on the first album. So I might be thinking of a song on. Yeah, I'm thinking of I won't be found, which is on, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's so. Will. Here's the thing. That's that sound. It though. is. It's that's, that. That's yes. what I'm getting at. Is there's yep. that sound? It will follow the rain. Like, dude, this first. It house, will follow the rain. Yeah, yeah. this first EP, <laughs> the sound he's going for and the the amount of non-production there is yeah. on it is astounding and the grit in his voice is crazy and at the time I mean like I feel like at the time people must have been like who even is this what, guy yeah what is like this? what's happening yeah so if your argument is the purest tallest tallest man on earth is that early version then I could see you arguing even so even though I would rather listen to sometimes the blues I think that the argument for best is probably with this one the first EP I I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. That's probably true. Here's one, Jake, that I think a lot of people just say is their best work. It's the Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's first EP, Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's. Mm -hmm. This one was talked up so much in Meet Me in the Bathroom. A lot of people in that book, in that oral history who were interviewed were like, yeah, I don't think they did anything better than that. They're like, there's like, they said something about that EP, man, was just like really captured the moment of being in New York at that time. A lot of that's probably, you know, masturbatory, like, oh, nostalgia. New- you don't get what New York was like in the early 2000s. Like, okay. Yeah. But the point remains, I think as respected as Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs are and as good of a band as they are and as they have some great, great songs, I think the knock on them is have they ever put together a truly great album? Yeah, I don't know. And the thing is, Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs is I'm, I'm not overly familiar with their whole catalog. I've listened to Fever to Tell, but not Fever to Tell is really good, but it's not... I don't put it upper echelon. I don't put it in the same conversation as Is This It or Room on Fire or Turn on the Bright Lights or any of those other big, big New York releases. So I listened to the the IAS EP a few times in preparation for this podcast because I'd never listened to it before. Um, it is really, really cool, and it definitely captures a vibe. I actually love that song, Art Star, in the middle where she screams. Karina is, like, screaming yeah. in it. Like it, she sounds like she's in a screamo band. Like it's that much of a an intense scream, and then it kind of goes to like this poppy little other part. Um, it definitely captures an interesting vibe, and 
I, I, I think maybe this is a way in for me. Yeah. I yeah, think yeah. maybe this, and maybe that's what's good about, again, speaking of EPs, where it's like if you aren't necessarily loving full length albums, like this might eventually convince me to get back into try with uh, Fever to Tell, or what's it, what's it called? It's Blitz? It's Blitz, yeah, and then. Uh... I forget what is the other one, Bones or something, uh, something, was. something with that, something with Bones. I love the song "Our Time" at the end of that EP, though, and that's right. the one a lot of people mentioned in uh, in the book about being. They're like, "Yeah, it was our time," and it's like, "Okay, all right, guys." Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, again, it's, on the nose. It's nostalgia. Yeah, 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 coming in hot. Here's a quick one for you. Uh, it's a band. I don't know how much you you listen to them, Jake. Maps and Atlases. So Maps and Atlases is a band where I, again, through you and other friends, I've heard their music and I've listened to some of these EPs, but not well enough to not okay. enough to speak to it really. Yeah. So. Uh, I honestly don't know what the fuck happened to this band. They kind of fell off the face of the earth. Um, they haven't put out new music since like 2012 or something like that. But they had a couple EPs, uh, You and Me in the Mountain and Tree Swallows Houses, that I think has some of their strongest songs. And I, I actually saw them live back in 2012 or something that summer. And uh, I was pretty familiar with their two albums and I was shocked at how much of their set list was made up of just songs from these EPs. And everyone there was loving it. I was like, wow, I've been missing out on these. And I went back and listened. I was like, oh, these are just better than their albums. And that's why they're playing so many of the songs from them. They're, so their vibe, from what I recall, because it, it has been a long time since I've heard, even heard Maps and Atlases, they're kind of like a mathy. Very mathy. Yeah. Sort of, but not... They're not quite in the vein of emo. No, 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 no. It's like it's like an indie math rock. It's, yeah, but in it, it's actually a really interesting sound. It's, yeah, and it has some elements of folk to it. And the, the lead singer has this big, long gray beard. And I don't know what they're about or where they went or what they're up to. But like, they were a big deal for like a year in our friend group and kind of in that scene where like they had a lot of hype around them, and then just nothing happened to them. So speaking of bands where who knows what happened to them, or maybe we know and it's not great and they're not around anymore, Jank, Versace Summer EP, R.I.P. Yep. Jank. Um, so they had their first album, what's it called again, Awkward Pop Songs, mm -hmm. which I really liked. And then they had the Versace Summer EP, which came out last summer, which for me, Pound for Pound is their best release. And I actually like listening to it better than Awkward Pop Songs because it's shorter. Mm -hmm. And I just like uh, Grim Reefer... Cool Enough, um, and the last song, Versace Summer, even like Alligator, those songs, yeah. like, I really, really like them. The, and also sort of a mathy vibe, but more yeah. in that very, very poppy, very catchy emo vein. Um, I think this is one of those EPs that's a pure distillation of what a band was doing. Um, and it's a shame that whatever happened to... To jank happen because it, it seems like there was some shady shit there. Yeah, and even someone who wasn't as big of a fan, yeah. um, I would agree with you that this is the, probably their best release. Um, another one for you, Jake. We, we talked about Animal Collective a little bit. Yes. It, what is the Animal Collective EP that you could argue is their best output? For my money, if I had to argue one, it would be Fall Be Kind. I agree with you, and I was recently, just to prepare for this, listening to Fall Be Kind and Water Curses. For me, it's Fall Be Kind. Yeah. Honestly, and, and a big part of that is, it, it's What Would I Want, Sky. Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of the album, the rest of it's really good. It's very listenable. It's of that era that some of their real, like really good songs from the Meriwether era. But What Would I Want, Sky is it, it's such a cool song. From like start to finish, that whole sample. Isn't it a Grateful Dead sample? Yeah, it is, yeah. Um, just everything about the vibe of that song, I feel like 
that is an argument for a song where it like is sort of the perfect sound from that era. Of, of course, mm-hmm. we're talking about an era where they put out My Girls oh, right. and Summertime Clothes right. and Brother Sport. So yeah. I don't know. The great EP. I also love. I've always been partial to On a Highway. Yes, that song's really cool. Yeah, it's got this eerie vibe to it. And he's talking about like doing some hash to yeah. go to sleep, yeah. and how he's jealous of Panda Bear for falling asleep. Yep. Um, Here's the thing with this one, though. The tough thing with Animal Collective, it how could you actually argue this is you, better than you Merriweather? Can't, you can't really. This is a borderline one where it's like if you're if you're arguing this, it's flimsy. And the thing is, I know like Josh and I think friend of the pod Mitch, they've talked about they, like they're bigger Animal Collective fans than I am. I think they're around. They listen as much as probably you have, but. Um, I think they really go to bat for the Fall Behind EP. I think Josh has said it's his favorite EP ever. I can, yeah, that's fa- that's fair. But you know, if we're talking about yeah. Strawberry Jam, you know, Merryweather, I think it's tough to say that that is better. Yeah, your only argument would be it has their best song, and like that is going to carry it through. You'd be like on the strength of that, and just the and there's a lot of material. It's it's a half hour long. Yeah, yeah Fall yeah. Behind, and so, um, but again, I think it would be a. F- flimsy argument at best to say it's better than Merriweather or Strawberry Jam. I, I would agree Dude, with that. I mean, or even Feels. Yeah. Like, I, I yeah. don't know how you could argue that. I, I, I have a couple more that I think are flimsy. One, Magical Mystery Tour. That was originally released as an EP by the Beatles, has been repackaged as a full-length album. Even then, I don't think it's it's their best. When I looked in the version of it that is an EP, doesn't even have... It's not the one with Strawberry Fields. No, or Penny Lane, because yeah. you know, those were both singles at the time. So yeah, I don't think that it one holds like up. It has like flying in Blue Jay Way and yeah. shit. Um, the other one is Strokes with the Modern Age. So that was one where, you know, like we had mentioned at the top of the show, they put that out as kind of a demo almost, and then those songs were just kind of re-recorded, repurposed on the debut. And that's one where I think it, it again, is that early New York scene where yeah. it's, it's, a, it's sort of a lot of hype and it's a lot of nostalgia right. for when that came out and what it meant to people. One more quick one that I think up until recently I would have actually said I agree with but don't anymore given his new release is Vince Staples Hell Can Wait um, because I always felt that Summertime 06 was a little overblown right. a little bit overhyped um, I think Hell Can Wait is better than that Prima Donna EP he put out although I didn't oh, listen I, agree. I didn't yeah. listen to that one a ton um, and then but I like uh, Big Fish Theory yeah. best in okay. his discography. Okay. So I, until recently, though, this was one where I, I kind of thought this EP was his best work yep. for Vince Staples. Um, also, w- uh, this is, again, if if you didn't know I was white, you do now. <laughs> this is the album where I learned about the word finna. <laughs> That's right. Which That's right. I fucking love. Dude, fun fact. Uh, Avon Barksdale says that all the time in The Wire. Really? He's like, you finna go to war right now? Yeah, like, yes. It's... Finna is really funny yeah. to me. It's and he actually... It's funny because he, like, does the progression himself. In one episode, he says fixing. Yeah. He's like, you're fixing to do something. And then the next episode, he just says finna. Yeah, it's an interesting contraction because it's fixing, too. Yeah. It's, it's actually really funny. And and where Vince says it, I think he says, I'm probably finna go to hell anyway. Yeah. Which, and I was like, finna? What is this? This is, this is a whole new world. Yeah, yeah. And I learned about it there. And, you know, that, again, should show how white bread I am because it's all over rap for decades. Right, right. right. And I just heard heard it for the first time. I'm like, oh, Vince Staples invented the word finna. Uh, So yeah, that's just, I think, a small handful of the EPs we could have talked about. Like I said, I think there's a big wide world of EPs out there that 
hasn't really been tapped into or discussed or ranked in any real way. So listeners, if there's any great EPs out there that we are forgetting or not talking about, let us know. Get at us at ListenInPod. Um, let's do a quick bonus track segment here, Jake. Uh-huh. Uh, and we can keep this one short, but we have a few months left in in 2017. We have a quarter left, basically. Dude, first of all, just before we dive in, that's unfathomable to me. The fact that we're in mid-August already yeah. is nuts. Yeah, we have more than a quarter left. We have a, like a quarter and a half. But it's still crazy. Still. I feel I mean, we're only a week or two away from starting to feel that just the start of fall. Yeah, I know. Which and, I can't wait for. But... On the bright side, we still have a lot of big, big albums coming out. And, and fall's I'll, always big for albums. And I'll run down a list of what we have. We have The National with Sleep Well Beast. We have The World's a Beautiful Place. I forget the name of that album, but it's coming out. I don't remember either. We have uh, Always or Always. With two V. I think they just pronounce it Always. Um, I actually haven't put on names for any of these. I'm just ripping off artists here. So I'm just saying artist names who I know are coming out with albums. So we have Always... The War on Drugs, who we've talked about many, many times. The Killers, Wolf Parade, Phoebe Bridgers, Grizzly Bear, St. Vincent, Julian Baker, Destroyer, Beck, LCD Sound System. They're all coming out with new albums, end of 2017. This is really getting into that indie rock sweet spot that we've been talking about all year. Um, If you had to pick three albums... Okay. That you're most excited for, what are they? Because I was going to say one that's not the National or the War on Drugs. So for me, the, the, the three are the National, the War on Drugs, and actually I think Grizzly Bear are okay. the ones I'm most excited for. Uh, mine are also National, the War on Drugs. Is it weird that part of me is not that excited for this Grizzly Bear album? No, I guess it's not weird. I just, I'm not as excited as I feel like I should be for it. The ones I am really... I, it's it's a toss up, honestly, between that always album because the singles have been fire flames, and Saint Vincent. Yeah, New York is a really really good yeah. song. Um, yeah. And speaking of both Saint Vincent and Grizzly Bear, both of them in the last two weeks have been on Song Exploder, and it's been really cool. Yeah. She broke down New York, yes, which was cool. And um, Dan Rawson and Chris Taylor from Grizzly Bear broke down that new single, Four Cypresses. Yep. Really interesting stuff. Again, highly recommend to listeners. So that got me hyped for both of those. St. Vincent is someone who I, and again, I'm ashamed to say, haven't listened to that much. I actually listened to Strange Mercy all the way through for the first time ever today. Wow, yeah. really? Yeah. It's a really good album. It was really good. Really yeah, good album. I enjoyed it. I, I look forward to going back. Because it became this thing where I listened to the podcast where she's breaking down New York and I was like at this point it's irresponsible of me not to have listened to St. Vincent more and I realized how stupid yeah, it was yeah. that I haven't just gotten into her yeah yeah that's a, it's a great it's a great album uh, one you're least excited for um probably just looking at the list quickly so it's I'll tell you which one's it it's either Phoebe Bridgers just because I know her like sort of the least mm-hmm. of the group or Destroyer, who I feel like I never get up for as much as some. Uh, yeah, those, those are both fair. Mine out of this list is honestly Beck. Yeah, well, I don't care about a new Beck album. Yeah, like at all. I'll listen once and yeah. probably not love it and never go back. Well, I don't blame you. It, it actually depends, like sort of what he's doing with it. Yeah. Although with Morning Phase, I didn't listen that much. I listened um, once, and yeah. there was one song. I think it was Blue Moon that I went back to a lot. I really liked that it's song, really and that's what I'll do on this. I'll find that song or two I really like. And then not really return to it. Quick note about Beck. 
that dude does not, and we've talked about this, that dude does not look like the person who would produce the voice <laughs> no. you're hearing. Because the Beck's voice no. is really, really deep. Yeah. And then you see what he looks like, and he's just this boyish. He looks like a little kid still. Yeah, he's he like does. 45. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah, it's weird. He's, he's an interesting dude. He really is. Uh, let's wrap up the episode, Jake, with a Mount Rushmore. So last week, if you'll recall, we talked about if you had to choose one artist's discography for mm-hmm. the rest of your life. I think yep. we both settled on the Beatles as being the pick. We snake drafted, mm-hmm. um, and, we, and we did our picks. But it brought up an interesting secondary discussion about what would your Desert Island album be, or your Desert Island disc, to quote a Radiohead song name. Yeah. Um, so this would be, if you could pick only one album for the rest of your life, what would it be? We're doing four, though. And we, we, pick, we did a Mount Rushmore of these, yeah. So what I did with mine, and I st- I'm going to make a split decision at the end of this, because my list has a lot of question marks on it, but what I tried to do with mine, and we talked about this logic last week, was go quantity. Go for longer right. albums that are right. also great. So as a result, the ones I have in as, as locks so far are The White Album and Exile on Main Street. Um, both long, both arguably among the best albums of all time, and I love both. And the Stones and Beatles, I don't really get that tired of. And they kind of balance each other in in interesting ways. I also think I'm going to go with Blonde on Blonde by Dylan. And this is an interesting choice Mm. for me because my favorite Dylan album is Highway 61 Revisited. But for the same reason I'm not picking Rubber Soul Revolver by the Beatles, I'm not picking Highway 61 because it's just less material. Mm -hmm. And with Blonde on Blonde, it was a double album. It's also really interesting, and I feel like it's an album where you need a lot of time with it. And yeah. on a desert island, I'd True. have the time. I'd be playing it all the time. True. I'd always be spinning it. And so, you know what I think I'm going to go with? Just for some variance, just to give myself a little diversity, mm-hmm. and it's another long album, I'm going to go with My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy by Kanye West. Yeah. I think it's like six, 65 minutes. Yep. And it's, in my opinion, and not everyone agrees, it's by far his best album, and that's saying something, because he has great, yeah, great albums. Yeah. I love that album and so I think with those four I mean that's like more than four hours of music right there yeah it's a good amount of music and I feel like I can get by and get my fix on if I want the Stones it's a little bit raw the Beatles I get all different sides of them a little bit of Dylan and then Kanye kind of balances it out with a different sound so I think we thought about this a little bit differently so in terms of our Mount Rushmore it's like what would your four picks be um, knowing you could only have one so the way oh. I did it was like, okay, what, what's like the, the one? And I thought of this in terms of I need variance in like what I'm getting with it. So my number one pick is London Calling by The Clash. Mm-hmm. You're getting so many different musical styles there. It's also a long album. It's like 20-ish songs basically. Um, so London Calling, and that's probably my favorite album of all time. So it makes sense to, to have that be my pick. The White Album is another one, also very long, mm-hmm. a lot of variance. Um, I also included Abbey Road in here, just as like, if I can't have the White Album, might as well pick Abbey Road, because there's a sneaky amount of variance on there, where you have the whole medley on the back, you have some blues rock with um, I Want You, She's So Heavy, you have the straight up, like, Paul, beautiful pop songs there, you can get a Ringo song thrown in. You get the two best George songs. Yeah, exactly. So Abbey Road's not a bad pick, and honestly, I didn't come up with a fourth, because I was like, well... I don't want any other ones, to be honest with you, if it's not London Calling or the White Album. It's, like, not even worth it. Like, if I had to pick one, like, I don't know, OK Computer, maybe, because it's, like, 
longer, maybe Kid A. So you were thinking of it as one of the candidates, and then you yeah. only get one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so like, I almost don't even want to pick a fourth because it's like, no, I want one of those first two, or okay. it's not even worth it. Or I'll kill myself on that island. And there you go. So I mean, I guess if I'm picking from my candidates, I'm taking the White Album. Okay. I think. Fair enough. Just because I love the Beatles too yeah. much. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. And I assume you're taking London Calling. I would take London Calling first. Yeah. I can't blame you. Yeah. I'd be I'd be jealous. I'd like kind of yeah. hear. We'd be on separate desert yeah. islands, <laughs> and I'd hear. <laughs> Some London calling once yeah, in a while, yeah. just like in a distance. Yeah. Like, Ooh, <laughs> I'd, just, li- I'd like that, but I can't swim over. <laughs> no, it's I don't have just a raft. too far. Yeah. yeah, but there's nothing out there to stop the sound. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's traveling across water. Yeah, yeah it's it's traveling. Uh, so let us know, listeners, what your desert island disc would be, uh, and stay tuned after the music for a little Thrones talk in the after show. A good amount this week. Yes. Yeah. Yes. See you next week. Thanks, everybody. Okay. We're on, it appears. Uh, Yeah, we're good. Question for you, Jake. Mm -hmm. Considering there was the bat in my apartment and my building seems to be inundated with them. Infested, might say. How long does it take to succumb to rabies? Is this like trivia or is this you wondering? I'm wondering. Like, how long do I have to decide, like, maybe I should get a vaccination, even though I probably don't need to? It's a really good question. I don't know off the top of my head. I think it takes a little while to incubate, right? I don't know. And again, it's like you're kind of playing with fire. I don't, I feel like you probably didn't get. No, I, I, no. It freaked me out when my neighbor was like, oh, yeah, they can crawl on you and bite you while you're sleeping and you won't even notice. Fuck that. <laughs> like, the way you told me how it happened, that you had just woken up and your neighbor came yeah. knocking on your door, and this is the information she's bringing you? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what the fuck? You harbinger of doom? Yeah, like, <laughs> that's what you get. That's what you get to hear in the morning, is that you might, like, have rabies. <laughs> and she tells me later today that she's, she and her husband are both getting vaccinated. Well, again, they, they had the exposure to the blood, yeah. so that that's, yeah, makes sense to me. I just gotta call my mom. Give her a buzz. She'll know what to do. We can I, throw it on pause if you want to call her. I tried calling her. She didn't answer. I think she might be at work, but who the fuck knows? Well, I hope it all works out. I mean, yeah, I hope. I hope <laughs> so too. I certainly hope you don't uh, succumb to rabies. I, if you do, um, we'll throw you a fun run. Okay. Okay. That would be nice. I'll, and, uh, the and office. I. Now I'm, now I'm fucking freaking out. Yeah, about, yeah. I just felt like I think I felt a, a hair on my knee move. Yeah. And I thought it was like a spider or a bat. Welcome to my life. Yeah. I just think everything. Yeah, I now can't is walk like in my apartment creature. without freaking out. Uh, yeah, I, we'll we'll see what happens with that. Hopefully, we're not doing uh, an episode from a hospital bed while I die. But uh, <laughs> while I die, <laughs> there's no coming back from that. No, I mean obviously I'm I'm hoping that doesn't happen too. Yeah. That'd, be, that'd be for the best. So uh, listeners, send prayers, thoughts um, and prayers, and positive thought, whatever yeah. your bag is. Yeah. Yeah, because we all know that does a lot. Yes, it will definitely impact uh, what happens to people you've maybe mm-hmm. never met. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's do some Thrones thoughts yeah, here, Jake. So this last episode, Eastwatch, Eastwatch was another one of the Game of Thrones table setting episodes. Yes, it was one of those bridge episodes that is clearly setting things up for next week and the final episode of the season. In terms of the show being a TV show, I thought it was fine as an episode and doing its job as 
a setup episode. I think what ends up happening is scenes are just bogged down by all the exposition and things that they need to get out there that like they don't even act as normal scenes anymore. They act as information dumps. Yeah. And some of those scenes end up being more ham fisted than others. Yeah. Where you can read into literally every single piece of dialogue and it's foreshadowing things hard because it can't afford not to. Yeah, it's like I don't even know what else they could do. And uh, I agree. I thought this was, as far as table setting episodes go, pretty interesting one and like a, pretty cool in a lot of ways. Um, it's it's so interesting how much they have to flex their exposition muscles in order to get the people in the places they need uh, to be to, to, to end this whole thing. Dude... Like, the way they have now assembled everyone with John, yeah. the number of people who needed to, like, sail from one part of the map to another and back and then somewhere else and back and, like, to assemble them all at the wall is, is absurd. Do you remember, I think two seasons ago, when Tyrion was in a fucking crate for half a season yeah. to get over to Essos. Yeah, the pace is certainly now. Up. It's Tyrion's going from Dragonstone to King's Landing to back. John is going up to the Wall with Jorah, and they're all d- doing crazy shit. Like, like Davos, I think sailed a cr- like from place to place like three different times yeah, this episode. He yeah. was at King's Landing at one point, then he's back up at the Wall. Yeah, this this would take weeks and weeks to do. And I, I get it. They have to do that. But it's a little silly to see that happening sometimes. The thing that I have the biggest issue with is this plan that they've concocted is really fucking dumb. It's which, really dumb. Wait, which one again? The the plan to go capture a white oh, to yeah. bring back yes. to show Cersei? Yeah, dumb. What? Yeah, I, I don't... And John is going to go, and Jor is going to go, and you're going to assemble the fucking Avengers of Westeros the to go do this? Like, what? what is that about? That's a good question, and I thought the same thing. It, it definitely seems like maybe an... Un, I mean, it's not like they can take a picture. It's not like they can do anything to prove it other than that, but do you even need Cersei's buy-in at this point? No. To, to, like, may as well just go fight this war at this point. Yeah. Like, what power does Cersei even have at this point? Like, very little. And she might even be lying to Jamie about having this kid. I, I, I had the exact same thought. The exact same thought. Because she's crazy. I don't think she's actually having a kid. Because she, she's fucking nuts. How about um, the scene, Sean, where Gilly basically explains to the audience... I don't mean this in a negative way. I think it was kind of funny... How she basically told us that John was not an illegitimate right. bastard of Rhaegar Targaryen. Yeah, I, yeah, cool reveal, I guess. Um, yeah, I could could have been. Sam waves it away. He didn't know what she meant. She like yeah. mispronounced the name, yeah. and he was so. It looked like he was so stressed out. It, true. That he was like, "Oh, Gilly, like shut up, like we're true. leaving." And it's like, dude, uh, it's right under your nose. I guess that's dramatic irony. And, and that's it, what they're it, doing. It, 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 right. If it, every character knew yeah. everything that the audience knew all the time, there'd be no tension. True. So I, I guess I don't know what I'm complaining about. And it goes back to what we were talking about last week, where doesn't can't brand just tell everyone everything? And that's the thing is like at this point, you have people with so much either intelligence or 
Like, John has some of that power, too, that he won't use. Like, he came back from the dead. Right. Tell people that. Right. Like, you have people who will vouch. You have a right. lot of people right. who will vouch. <laughs> right. Like, people saw it. People... But knew. no, he needs to just be brooding over a cliff. And now, like, yeah. He, <laughs> I got to go over the wall. <laughs> My people want me to help them. <laughs> that, that was the best reading you could do, Kit Harrington. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's how you said everything. It's a problem. It's a, I said this before. It's a problem that Daenerys and Jon Snow have two of the worst actors on the show and they're supposed to be carrying it at yeah. this point. That's they, a problem. You know who they front-loaded with good actors is the Lannisters. Yeah. Because oh, you got yeah. Peter Dinklage and yep. what's his name? Uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. Nikolaj? Nikolai Koster. Is it Nikolai? Because it ends in a J. I have no idea. It's Dane. I don't know what to make no of idea. that. And then you have um, Lena Headey. Yeah. Who's also And then you awesome. had their father. I forget what his name was. Oh, he was Char- awesome, Charles though. Dance. Yeah. Charles Dance. Um, yeah, I, I agree. It, I guess sometimes I think what it is is both Amelia Clark as Daenerys and Jon Snow, or rather Kit Harrington as Jon Snow, especially Kit Harrington, it feels like have one mode. Yeah, they're kind of always like he's always sort of they act sort of one way mm-hmm. in those roles. I think Amelia Clark is a better actor. Yeah, slightly, I, th- I think she's not. I wouldn't even call her good. She's passable. Yeah, I mean, like the thing, yeah. like if she. If she was in a movie, like your average movie, you would never go see it just because she's in it. Let me ask you this question. Who is your favorite of the North of the Wall Expendables? The Magnificent Seven. Who's your favorite of those characters? Cool collection of people. It is. Um, I think Jorah is a lock to die. Right. He might as well just be dead at this point. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they bring him back as the example. They bring him back as a white. Yeah, that's. I think yeah. I've seen some of that stirring online. Yep. Um, I think my favorite character who's up there, although he's not going north of the wall, is is Davos. Yeah. Um, my favorite in that crew, probably Jorah. Who wait? Who else is this? Jorah, John, Tormund, Thoros, Beric Dondarrion, the Hound. Yeah. Gendry, who's back in the cut. People love Gendry. So here's the thing. Yeah, people are all about him. Big friend of the pod, Kevin, was watching this episode with me and and got really excited when he saw Gendry again. Always has loved Gendry. Uh, Maybe I've watched this show too spread out. I... Why am I, what am I missing with Gendry? Why don't he I love him like as a, much as some people? He was like people? a good dude. He, he was seemed fine. Like a cool character. I, I, he didn't. He didn't. He was never one of my favorites. I don't. I can't say he stood out. As much as maybe he has to some people, but again, I don't know. Maybe I'm, yeah, I'm he's never something. never really one of my favorites. His Warhammer though is awesome. It is really cool, and I like that he's following in his yeah. his uh, father's footsteps yeah. with that. So he's back. Um, everything just happened a little too easy. Here, here's another quick note. I because we had nothing to watch one day last week, and we were like kind of in Thrones mode. Mary Kate and I decided at one point last week to watch the first few episodes of the series again. How just different in a row. does it look? Very different, and also, um, Aiden Gillen does a 100% different voice for Littlefinger. In the first season, it's compared so to now. You know how now he's like, your sister Sansa was <laughs> beautiful with her yes. red hair. He has like, it's like really gruff. Yes. He just talked fucking normal in season like, one. Like Tommy Carcetti. Yeah, like he just, like br- br- British. Right. Or uh, Irish, or whatever the hell. Right. And, uh... 
I, I you now if you're being generous, you could be like he's aged. Yeah, yeah. But I, it, it's suspect, dude. It, it is. So, I think the most interesting piece of this episode was what the fuck he is up to with Arya, dude. I, who who is just leading her by the nose into shit where that she is gonna fuck up. So at first, when I saw that scene, I was like. I was almost a little disappointed because I was like, "Are they going to make his downfall this easy? Like, I, like he's being so obvious." And f- shame on me, obviously, right. because when they, dude, the shot when they show Arya leaving her room and they zoom in on Littlefinger like lurking in the shadows with that face, it, it was like free. It gave me chills a little I, bit. I I think Littlefinger is the biggest threat left on the board. Other than the Night King, to be honest with you. Yeah. He can, I think, deal the most punishment out to the people we root for. Cersei feels neutered in a way that, like, I don't think she, she does. She is still scheming, but it just feels like Danny's going to take care of her. Littlefinger still scares me, though. Why like, are they letting him stay there? Dude, like, there's so many reasons to not let that fuck live. <laughs> I know. Kill him for every reason. Like, what? He's, he's a cancer. <laughs> Why? Why also is Arya snooping around with her own face? Why is she not taking the form of literally anyone else? You know how I thought that scene was going to play out. I thought what was going to happen was Littlefinger. You know that last person he like gave the piece of paper, yeah. like the big dude or whatever yeah. it was. I thought what was going to happen was the way that they were going to do it was they would show Littlefinger in his like study. And they'd hear a knock on the door, and it would be that person again. But it was Arya with their face, oh, and she was yeah, gonna kill him. Yeah, I thought that's yeah, what they're yeah. heading toward. Oh. Is like she was like studying who he. I, and I was like, oh, it's obvious because we're watching. But what's happening is like Littlefinger doesn't know what she's mm-hmm. up to, and she's gonna become really good at his game. Right. That's not the way they she's want not. Her at all. No, she. It bums me out how much they've pumped her up, only to make it like he's just playing chess while she's playing checkers. I mean, in some ways, it makes him more compelling, though, because it's it like, does. It does. She still has a lot to learn, and, and he literally all he has is his, his cunning. Yeah, it's, it's true. all he has, and he, he uses it to his advantage. I have something, I'm not sure if it's a hot take. I, I, I wonder what people, how people will respond to this. I'm curious what your thoughts are. Am I crazy for not really being that compelled by White Walkers and the Night King? No. Because you are not crazy. I feel the same way. Because every time I see them... Oh. A little update on the old phone from Yahoo Sports. Oh. There you go. This this episode brought to you by Yahoo, except not really. No one would ever sponsor us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, like when, when I see them, I'm like, I know they're this threat, and they have been the whole se- series, but they're so... I mean, they have a face at this point. Yeah. We've seen what they can do, but they're so rarely a part of the proceedings, and they're so inhuman... That they feel like this supernatural sort of Trump all yes, it's enemy. It's the fact that they've been built up to be this unstoppable force, and everything's coming down to we got to band together to beat them. It's like if they really wanted to, they just wipe you all out because they seem unstoppable so far. Because the realization I came to when they were going north of the wall, and I feel bad kind of saying it, but I was a little disappointed. I was like, me, oh, no, they're going, like, north again. Like, Me I, too. Me too. That was one of the reasons I was like, wait, this plane's really fucking dumb, and also I just don't want them to do it. I'd rather have them, like, playing politics. You know what, Jake? This show's at its peak when it's Littlefinger, Varys, Tyrion, Cersei, all in King's Landing at the Red Keep, just, like, 
doing their political machinations. And if, I need more of that. If Jon Snow were here right now, I'd be like, you don't know what I've seen. It's like, dude, how many more, how many more times can you say that? Yeah. I've seen them. Like, yeah, dude, go back up there and just play with them. Like, uh, well, I'm, I don't care about you. I've been north of the wall. <laughs> okay. You don't know what they're like. It's, it's like, I, it's true. He's right. But I guess what it, what's funny is, in a way, I, I feel like we're like the characters in the show where we'd rather just deal with right, like what's right, going right, on. Right. And in, a, in some ways, we're blinded to the threat north of the wall. Jake, we are very we're children of summer for sure. We are not chiseled oh. men ready for the winter. Oh, child of summer, <laughs> you've never seen the long night. It's like okay, you creepy like, wet nurse, <laughs> you fucking weirdo. You're freaking everyone out. Uh, so yeah, the the. Uh, Winterfell stuff is cool. Bran is still doing Bran stuff. Or, or, or Three-Eyed Raven stuff. Look, Whether- okay, here's the thing. He can send a fucking raven to all corners of Westeros saying, I just saw the Night King, Army of the Dead, marching towards Eastwatch. We all need to go take care of that. But he can't throw in there, P.S., John is not a bastard. He is he is Targaryen blood. Can't, can't and, throw well, that in there. And he's a Targaryen, right? Just just full stop, right? And he has a legitimate uh, right to the throne, right? Yeah, I don't know, man. I, like, yeah, Bran's whole thing is confusing, and of course, a lot of it is convenience. They have to have him do certain right. things. Um, here's what I'm excited for the last episode and the second to last episode are long episodes mm. the one next week I guess is 71 minutes the following one is 81 minutes mm. wow. so that nice. uh, you know hopefully we get what I'm most interested in is and maybe this is how I am with all fiction I'm less interested in the final battle like the final I know what's gonna happen well maybe I don't and maybe that's what Thrones has done is like I actually don't know what's gonna happen mm-hmm. but I think what's gonna happen is they're just gonna beat the whites or something like that. Mm-hmm. There's going to be some great battle. That's not what I'm most interested in. I'm most interested in the little personal struggle. Like I, I, yes. John finding out his true parentage yes. and yes. what impact that has on his character and what it does to people around him and how it shakes the Seven Kingdoms. Yes. That is more interesting like to me Like how will Cersei well. respond? Right. That is more interesting to me as well. She'll probably respond by telling Jamie she's having twins and I, not realizing that she's borderline power, powerless at this point. It's really funny to boil down these complex characters into yeah. I've seen them. Yeah. Or Danny being like bend the knee or die. It's like all right, okay. Yeah. Uh, so are they setting up this Danny thing like Tyrion was like whoa, like you're burning people alive and yep. I don't like that. Are they setting her up to like not win at the end of this? I would be all about that because I don't like her as much as other people seem to. Um, I think they're at least setting her up to be a complicated character like all the rest. Yeah. Like one who, I mean, look at Jamie. Like, I think at this point in the show, a lot of people root for Jamie. Mm-hmm. He's done some fucked up stuff. Oh, yeah. He's just yeah, really, yeah, yeah. I mean, he actually sparked basically this war right. by pushing Bran from the ledge. Right. And like, I think with Daenerys, it's either, yeah, maybe she won't win the Game of Thrones or whatever, or she, yeah, or they're just saying, like, look, she's not going to be completely altruistic. Right. She has right. complicated... Which I guess is actually more interesting when you yeah. when you think about it than this perfect, Dude. like, great ruler. Also, and we've talked about this before, if you're Dickon, or if you're fucking uh, Randall Tarly, oh, yeah. 
Dude, sell yourself out Dude, to no, live. No, it's all about honor, Jake, no. and, and not and not betraying your house. I've okay? thought about this so many times. It reminds me of in fucking, as, as listeners might know, we grew up going to Catholic school. Mm-hmm. When they would tell stories about martyrs Dude. who would like... Get fucking their, idiots get their fucking throats cut by Roman sent, like <laughs> soldiers because they they were or some sort of soldier because they were Catholic. I I can't tell you how fast I would sell everything I believe in. You know who who I respect the hell out of was it Peter or Thomas who denied Jesus three times? Oh, oh, Peter, Peter, doubting. Good, good for you, Peter. I would have done the same exact. Thing. Yeah, well, and he was he was like Jesus's right hand guy. Yeah, he. So it was yeah. Judas betrayed him. Peter denied him. Right. Thomas. Oh, there's my mom. Do you want to answer? I'll call her back. Okay. And then Thomas didn't believe he actually came back from the. That's dead. what it was. That's he what was. It that's was. where doubting Thomas comes right. from. Right. Correct. And Correct. he had. To, I remember them describing how. Thomas had to feel the wounds in Jesus' hands. Disgusting. It always grossed me right and like, out. Dude, wh- Jesus, wh- why do you just have open wounds? Because he was crucified. But, like, clean that up. Yeah, maybe. You're back to life. Like, what are you doing? It's going to get infected. <laughs> yeah, it's disgusting. Maybe, maybe dress those. It is, the, it is the year fucking 33. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's the year one. Wait, I thought he was... Wasn't Jesus theoretically born in zero? No, no, no. It's AD after death, right? I thought it was after... I thought Anno Domini meant something. Because I, I, I've heard after oh, death is not right, what it actually you're right, means. You're right. You are correct, sir. It is when he was born in zero. How fucking bullshit is that, by the way? Just, uh, yeah, quick side. How are we still using that as our <laughs> designation of time? Louis C.K. talked about this in, when I went and saw him. I don't know if it was in the Netflix special, but he was talking about the fact that he's like, Catholics, no, Christians, are he, they was, won. Yeah. He's like, and I'll, I'll tell you why they won. He's like, what year is it? <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. He's like, do you know why it's that year? Yeah. It's actually really funny. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, dude, it's around the world. That's yeah. how it's known. Dude, that just goes to show you. It's fucking wild, man. Speaking of history and years and stuff, I started listening to the new Hardcore History. Oh, nice. I'm like an hour and a half in. Him just talking about how long the Roman reign was is actually astounding. It's crazy. Like, the U.S. is a fucking footnote compared to what the Roman Empire was. Yeah, truly. And, and dude, just the way... This is, by the way, listeners, is uh, Hardcore History, Dan Carlin's podcast. Um... Just the way he enunciates words is so funny. When he was like, there's one part where he's like, now imagine that when settlers came to North America, instead of being faced with Native American tribes, they faced the warriors of Gaul. <laughs> and he like he really, really emphasizes that last word, and it's so funny. Just the way he talks is so funny. Quote and quote. Yeah. Hilarious. And we've we've gone off track. Do you have any? Uh, no, I don't. The final thought about hardcore history, even when it's a topic that you don't think you're going to be super interested in, like this one. Yeah, he makes it. Interesting. He makes it so interesting. The way he fucking starts it. What would you die for? I was like, <laughs> all right, here we go. I was like, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Love that guy. Could, is it a short list? <laughs> what are the things on that list? 
Dude, right, listen to this podcast, listeners. It's only six hours. You'll get yeah, through it. Yeah, yeah. Nice, easy, easy listen. Do you have concluding Thrones thoughts? Uh, I, I feel like we glossed over some stuff, but the uh, oh, the the one thing I have is, was it clear to you what that note? Um, oh, we actually paused it. I did too. Yeah. I did too to read it, and it's a v- actually I'm surprised they didn't put it in the previously on Game of Thrones thing. It's when Cersei made Sansa write the note. Yep, and Arya. I already know she's gonna get fucking tricked by this. Yeah, it's gonna drive a wedge between them. That kind of shit makes me mad. Yeah, like if you like be a little smarter. Be like, oh, maybe. See, but Arya, she thinks with her sword now. She's like, that's her flaw. She's yeah. she's cunning, but she's I don't know. Have they ever established her as truly smart or no. any of the Starks as really smart? No, they haven't. No, the smartest is honestly Sansa. Sansa. Oh, by far Sansa. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not fucking John, although he's not a Stark, but... Yeah, it, yeah. It wasn't Rob. Surely wasn't Rob. Definitely wasn't Ned. Dude, they're just like northern folk, dude. They don't know how to they're play... Fucking simpletons. The game. And, and Littlefinger is just riding circles around them. Yeah, yeah. And as, like, honestly... He's fucking stunting on I, them. I love Littlefinger. I do, too. I love him. Um, it still frustrates me because he's, like, a bad dude. Yeah. And I this root against him. This is the dagger him. meant to kill you. It's like, dude, you, you fucking sent that. You... <laughs> Try to kill me, you asshole. <laughs> you know what's up, little finger. Peter Baelish. You fucking snake. Uh, it's actually... He's really funny. Yeah, he is. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, he is. When you really think about what that dude has done and what he's up to now, it's hilarious. He's allowed to keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> and just be this, like, oil slick dude. Like... And Sansa, your mother was very beautiful, and yeah. so are you, and I want to fuck you, and, and, like, I'm trying to do all this shit. Yeah. And, and like, they know it, too, and, like, ah, little finger, don't trust them. But he's still doing whatever the fuck he wants. I know, they should, they should, they should do themselves a favor and uh, fucking kill him. Seriously. And even Sansa's like, ooh, I'm not having any of your shit. It's like, he's still having the, the fucking... Lay of the land here. He's still king of the castle. Yeah, he just he sort of just dictates what yeah. happens. And now he's gonna trick Sansa and Arya. Yeah, after the uh, reunion. You know they fucking deserve it. This well, guy needs. I. I. You know what? I'm throwing my hat in the ring. I want Littlefinger to come out the victor. The disadvantages that he has had. Yeah. The fucking people he has tricked. Yeah. The plans he has made. This dude deserves the throne. Yeah. <laughs> Just the idea of tricking someone yeah. is really funny. And also, yeah, it's it's actually, you could put that spin on it because it's like, we're just conditioned not to like him because of the characters who right. we see as the protagonist. I, I mean, we should make clear there's no fucking way he's gonna win. They're no, but like, happen. honestly, at this point, John doing dumb shit, Danny being so one-dimensional... Littlefinger wouldn't have told people to bend the knee. He would have been like, how can I use this person yep. as an to asset and then cast them aside? He almost likes doing that to a fault. When he doesn't even need to. Yeah, he, yeah. Make, he like sets challenges yeah, for himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he usually fucking does it's, it. It's it's interesting at the very least. Yeah, maybe, you know what? Maybe Littlefinger should win. I'm sure that no one listening wants that to happen. I hope he gets really close, or at least still ends up like in some position of power. Like maybe he's back to being what was he, master of coin? Yeah, maybe they do like a departed thing where 
there's like seemingly a winner. There's seemingly someone who made it. Yeah. And then the very, very last scene is that person getting their throat slit by Littlefinger. With the dagger. Yes, yeah. dagger. <laughs> it's like, dude, talk normal. Yeah, what are you doing? For once. Your sister Sansa. <laughs> I was like, what's in your mouth, man? What are you, what's the yes thing you're doing? <laughs> what the fuck is up with that? <laughs> like, you didn't talk this way in season one. <laughs> what are you doing? I bought this dagger from Tyrion Lannister. Oh, one. Like, oh, dude, I'm gonna take you at face value <laughs> yeah. of all people. Yeah. That scene when he brings Ned to the brothel in season one. Yeah. Because he's like, this is where Cat is. It's like, dude, oh, yeah. of course Ned's gonna pin you by your throat <laughs> right. to the wall. Right. Like, you know what he thinks you mean, you fuck. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, I like the idea that Ned, at that time, thinks basically this was a long joke. <laughs> right. My little finger, right. you are indeed funny, Lord Baelish. <laughs> it's like, Ned, you are at sea here. Yeah, dude, poor Ned. I see, like, there's, and we gotta get going because it's been long. Yeah. But quickly, there's a lot of anti-Ned sentiment. I still like Oh, Ned. I love Ned. And, and, and when I went back to watch season one a while ago, I still rooted for him and still just, like, assumed he wasn't gonna die. Right, I was like, right. oh, he's going to get it this time. Yeah. No, he It's didn't. like when I would watch Disney movies ten times right. over and over right. in a week. And I'd be like, this time they won't fall for Jafar's trap. It's like, no, they will. They, because they will. Because this is on tape. Right. And there's a right. movie that's been distributed <clears throat> at large. Final, final quick thought. What's the best season of Game of Thrones? Is, Dude, is there like a consensus on that? I like everyone says season four of The Wire, season five of Mad Men. Three? I think it might be three because it ends with the red wedding. And, yeah, I don't know because to be honest with you, I binged it and I, the, I they blur together the delineations yeah. between seasons. I think it Matt, might be three. I'm not totally think, clear think, on which is which. I think it's probably three. Okay. Yeah, I, I um, that makes sense. I feel three like, or one. I feel like. Yeah, and two had that like the that shit in Karth, which I didn't two care about. Two wasn't. It was the worst of the first three for sure. I feel like two season two is always where shows struggle to get their yeah. footing. Yeah, that sophomore. Ah, the, the Office really picked up steam in season That's two. That's true. Mad Men was the that was one of the weaker Mad Men. Uh, three is the worst Mad Men season. Three, in my opinion. Yeah. Oh yeah. It drags towards the end of it actually. Anyways, that's for another uh, another day. Let's dive in with the episode. All right. A more rambling Thrones thoughts this week. Let us know what you thought, listeners. At listening yeah, on Twitter. If you're listening us. now, you already follow us on Twitter, so I don't know why I'm telling <laughs> Seriously, you. Seriously, man. Seriously. I got to quickly look up my, uh, what is it, 86? 1986. Crazy we've gotten there already. Some good oh, ones in 86. Man. Dude, 87. Did you listen to the new Hyden pod? I did. It was, yeah. dude, it was pretty short. I, You know what? And the new Simmons pod was only like 45 minutes today. Oh, I, didn't I already even see finished that. it. Who was on? It's uh, KLC. You're gonna be sort of disappointed, and I felt some fatigue with this today. I usually like these episodes when they do hypothetical trades and shit. Eh. I usually like them coming off of a couple strong episodes that he's just had. I was like, oh, back to this. Like he caught a lot of flack for that Pat's episode. I couldn't have been was, happier was, if he did. I it. think his best podcast ever. It, I loved it. Yeah, I loved every minute. You, where'd you see the the flack from? Oh, just like if you look on SoundCloud, all the comments are like are like skipping this episode. Ah, like, gotcha. It's like you know what though. I don't know. I tried to put myself outside the perspective of a Pat's fan. It's like, would I be able to enjoy it? Probably not. No. I, oh no. No, I probably wouldn't have been able to either. And if I'm like waiting all week for a Simmons pod, I'm like, oh cool, this one's almost two hours, and then I see pissed. what it's about. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 
Big shout out to Bill Simmons, big friend of the pod. Kind of an OG friend of the pod. Yeah, yeah. All right, you ready? I am. Okay. Three, two, one.